Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. Kevin AC, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. There's Ryan Finley, sports editor of the Union Tribune. I'm in Philadelphia, ready for the start of the second half. The Padres have a four-game series, three days, doubleheader. What a mess this series is going to be. Uh, but I feel like, Ryan, I feel like the Padres need to start over, but they also need to keep going, like, from where they ended at the start or the end of the first half. So where do you want to start? Yeah, typical of this season, you know, the Padres finally get a little bit of momentum going, take two or three from the Mets, uh, sweep the Angels, and uh, then they give everybody, what, five days off. <laughs> and, and now they're back. I mean, to me, I think we start with a quick look back. Uh, Kevin, it seemed like everything was kind of coming together. You take five or six games from two pretty good teams. What were they doing the last two series that that, that may be a, a sign of improvement going forward? Well, Manny Machado, cover your ears, but hitting with runners in scoring position, like at a 350-plus clip over whatever it is the past couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, now they're only four points from overtaking the Oakland A's for 29th in the 30-team major leagues uh, in runners in scoring position. Like, everything was better. That's because they were hitting better in all situations. But, uh, look, were they playing with more urgency? They said they were. Again, hold your ears, Manny Machado. He doesn't like talking about those things. Um, yeah, they they scored enough to overcome a bullpen that has uh, allowed uh, at least one run in, like, you know, 14 straight games, uh, multiple runs in, like, 10 of those. Um they just played better. They, they, Manny Machado looked like he was on one of those tears mm-hmm. that he goes on once or twice a season. So, you know, that right. explains a lot. There we go. Right. He hits what, three home runs in two days? Uh, it was something like that. Yeah. He's got like eight RBIs in the last four games, or, or you know, it's mm-hmm. like 13 of the Padres' 39 runs in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, it's what we would have expected sooner, not like, this well yeah this for at least stretches this is what he does this is why you make that money i always Mm -hmm. feel bad talking about money like they make what they make you and i make what we make that's kind of what society is willing to pay us i got no problem with it it makes it sound Mm -hmm. like i i am i like i'm i'm harping on the money but when you make a certain amount then that is what it's about to a certain extent you are the guy that is supposed to carry the team at times same for sander bogart's should be the same for Juan Soto. Um, Fernando Tatis maybe isn't making that money, but that is the kind of yet, but that is the kind of contract he got. And, and, you know, not to, you only asked about looking back, but like that is whatever we want to break down about what needs to be better in the second half. It is the big four. Right. Right. Well, and that's where we're heading right now. Kevin, this is a team that has to continue hot and, you know, you're not playing the, uh, the pirates and the reds here. To start the second half of the season, you've got four against the Phillies, three against Toronto. These are two pretty big series, I think, as we try to determine whether this is a playoff contending team the way it's it stands now. Uh, what, what do you think they need to do well? Is it just the the big four need to to play? Is it something else? And and you know how huge are these seven games? If the big four play like they're supposed to look I'll say if the whole nine play like they're supposed to right but like really I could talk about what can Hassan Kim play much better probably not Uh, you know Trent Grisham has come back to be pretty close to probably what you can expect Jake Cronenworth needs to produce more at least needs to produce as he has in the past in big moments right needs to bring his numbers up but yeah look if if those guys 
contribute. And I could go, I could, I've dove deep into all of the numbers. If they contribute at a level that they should be expected to, like not unreasonably, like just close to that level, then it should be about the Padres every night, provided the pitching, which by the way, lead the national league in quality starts, except for recently, the bullpen was absolutely fantastic. Except for recently, they were uh, across the board, the best bullpen in the major leagues uh, for much of the season sure. in terms of ERA and, and a couple other metrics. Um, but if the big four does what they do, look, I'll, I'll take you deep into si- inside one of the stats I have. It's not just that, you know, Hassan Kim is the only player on the team to have an OPS higher than his career average coming into this season. Um, it's not just that run eaters in scoring position and that the big four is, is you know, whatever, their OPS, their average, all that is down. In Padres losses in which one member of the big four, at least one member, usually more, came up with as the tying or go-ahead run or with the tying or go-ahead run on base. So what I'm saying is in a game that they could easily have affected with a home run, oftentimes just with a single, Okay, in one of the final four innings. And a lot of times these guys had six or seven at bats between them that had a chance to do this in those losses. And there were 29 of them, which that happened at least once in the in the final four innings. They hit 169 collectively. Wow. Put me at 200 yeah. and you got four more wins. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, right. <laughs> right. If so, they were just bad instead of terrible, <laughs> they'd have four more wins. So it's, that's the one that like, that's why I keep the stats I keep, right? Like I'm, I I spend hours a day doing my stats so that when I'm like, gosh, it seems like these guys have had a chance. They're not coming up in like, you know, down seven, one. And let me tell you the number of times three of them went down in order with a guy on second. It was like four or five times. Like it was like, uh, it's crazy, but guess what? In defense of A.J. Prowler, that's the team he beat. And those are the situations he envisioned. He envisioned like, hey, so I have a center fielder who's going to save a lot of runs and and maybe hit 204, right? Like I have a first baseman who, you know what? They didn't know he's going to be like this. Jake Cornerworth his first year as the first baseman. But like, you know, might be middle of the pack in terms of offensively as a first baseman. Hassan Kim, this was the ceiling for him. Um, But you know what? There's going to be so many times when these guys that we've built this team around have come up with the game on the line and they're going to come through for us because mm-hmm. that's what they do. And they haven't. Right. Right. Kevin Padres played 90 games and they're 43 and 47. We've talked about what it will take in terms of performance. What will it take in terms of wins for them to be in it on the final day of the season? So uh, what I, I worked out the other day that uh, I mean, I'm going off 87, which is what the Phillies won last year. The Rays won 86 and made it in the American League, the first year of having six playoff teams in, in, in each league. Uh, so let's just say it's 87, right? Um, they need to then obviously win 44 more games. And so what is that? 44 and 28. Mm-hmm. And there are hundreds of teams. It's like an average of uh, since uh, – since the start of 1961, the uh, 162 game schedule, I believe, for the American League, uh, and then the National League followed the next year. Hundreds of teams, an average of uh, like three or four a year, right? Have 
won at least 44 of their final 72 games. Okay. But only a dozen of those had a record as bad as the Padres at this time. So one every five years, one every four years has done it. So like the turnaround is my point that is going to be required here for these guys to go 16 overs at 44 and 28. Um, Now that should not be out of the question. The team that has played here, look, I'll even say like the team that has played a good portion since June 1st, right? That team, you should have no question, can go 16 over over the final 72 games. Mm-hmm. That's not all we're talking about, though. And we're now talking about a – well, the bullpen's going to get back. Robert Suarez pretty soon, presumably. Steven Wilson pretty soon, presumably. Probably Wilson before Suarez. Might get back Michael Walker, might not. But let's say that, like, it takes a while for Suarez to get going, right? Let's say mm-hmm. bullpens are up and down. Let's say somebody else starts to stink or continues to stink. Um, let's say Waka doesn't come back. So now we're talking about a team that, squat, you know, they, they wasted some chances when they had a full roster and now is going to try to do it, barring trade, with, mm-hmm. you know, the potential for there to be some guys that are down. Right. Now you just said the word trade. Uh, we've got, I mean, the next sort of big milestone in this season is the trade deadline as it stands today. Are they buyers or are they sellers in your mind? And what would, what would, what would have to happen between now and then for that to change? Hmm. You know, it would be real easy if they could, uh, go, uh, eight and two on this trip. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, or two and eight, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm inclined to believe based on what you hear that they are um, buyers and that they're buyers almost like no matter what, because it's far more likely that they're just middling, right? Like they go Mm -hmm. six and four or four and six or five and five on this trip, come home, face the pirates, you know, that between now and, and uh, you know, August 1st, they uh, are a a little over 500 or a little below or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so now, what, what did other teams do, right? Like mm-hmm. the standings are going to change a lot. They are. They, they, they We talked about it, I think, when they won those first two games against the Angels, they gained two games in the standings. Mm-hmm. Now, they haven't, they then won, they've won, what, three or four since and have stayed right where they are, except this. After losing to the Mets on Friday, I think they dropped down to where, like, there were five teams between them in the final playoff spot, and now there's only two. One of them is mm-hmm. the Phillies, by the way. The other is the Brewers. Uh, but the standings are going to change a lot. How much can they change in the in, between now and August 1st? And what will it mean to the Padres? I'm just inclined to think, given that it's Peter Seidler and AJ Preller, that uh, and 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 also the things that they have both said, that other people in the organization have said, and that like what Bob Nightingale reported today that other general managers uh, were maybe expecting the Padres to to be just uh, uh, be aggressive. Uh, so. I think that's a pretty easy thing to say and, and to, mm-hmm. to expect. If you've got to win 60 something percent of your games, Kevin, every game matters. Is it possible that they make that trade deadline move before the trade deadline? I mean, it yeah. seems to me you could get a lot. I mean, maybe asking prices go down the closer you get to the trade deadline, but is this something maybe we shouldn't just think about as a trade deadline situation, but as a move that could pop at some point between now and then? Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I think that trade prices go down only in the sense that a team might be holding out for more now. But what I have learned 
is that, and I don't know if this changed uh, in the last couple of years I, I, um, or last few years, teams set a price and that's their price generally, mm-hmm. if you're talking about an impact player, right? Now, but as you get closer, then yeah, maybe there is a little bit of uh, something else that could budge an impact player from a team. But, mm-hmm. you know, right now, it, it it might take a lot to to get that sort of player. But a bullpen piece, big, a starter, big. I'm not saying a starter for Saturday's second game of the doubleheader <laughs> after Blake mm-hmm. Snell pitches, but that's a hole right now, right? Like, and so what you have is you're coming off a rest. That's great. And maybe Darvish goes six and maybe Snell goes six. And so then, okay, a bullpen game, or, you know, you get four from Waldron or something like that. Um, and, and more home piggybacks on them. I'm going best case scenario here. Right. And then you got Lugo on Sunday and you get another day off. That's great. What if it doesn't go that way? And that's kind of where you're at right now. You come right back into the, to the first four games in three days. And it's like, and we don't have a starter for Saturday's second game. Okay. And that, what that does is points out, well, what if Walker doesn't come back? I believe he's eligible. He could be activated for the second game in Toronto. Joe Musgrove is, uh, they want to give him a longer rest face Toronto as well. Um, and uh, so he's going to pitch on Tuesday in Toronto. Uh, yeah. It could happen uh, at, at any time. I think the other thing we should mention is the potential for a designated hitter. Um, and I think that's a pretty good one because Nelson Cruz is already gone. And right now your platoon is Matt Carpenter slash Rugnet Odor and Brandon Dixon. And they've always thought that uh, maybe a corner outfield slash, you know, designated hitter slash first baseman, whatever, mm-hmm. a primarily designated hitter is, is a place that they can really uh, upgrade. The idea here would be to, to trade prospects and not necessarily trade off the big league clubs. Well, the problem here is that teams that are looking for prospects or uh, that are will that have that impact player want prospects. Okay. The idea of trading big leaguers like back for big leaguers is like tell me the number of trades that have been done at the trade deadline recently for that. Mm-hmm. It, it, right. Unless it's a throw-in type of player, right? Mm-hmm. It is prospects that are generally what those whatever for a blanket term rebuilding teams um you know covet. Sure. The- Kevin, you mentioned starting pitchers, and I'm going to throw a, a curveball at you here. What was the latest we've heard about Cole Hamels? He had not. It, it's it's a little slower than than we thought. You know, they don't want to push him too hard. I will say it's been a couple of weeks since I checked. So, um, but he's still with the club, and he could have been out already if he, you know, if he was pitching and they hadn't called him up. But he had not gone in a game. Was the last that I okay. Okay, sorry. I you you talk about starting pitching. They're in Philadelphia. It, I, mm-hmm. My my my, my yeah. mind went there. But here's the thing. I know that. I mean, he is he is too much of a risk. I think to be counted on as somebody who can help their starting rotation. But what a cool second half story that would be if oh they were if they were in it, and if Cole Hamels was coming up and you know was a long guy or or back of the back of the rotation guy. Um, crazy. Uh, Kevin, 2024 schedule came out uh, this morning. Um, Maybe news that matters more to you than any person alive. What do you think? This is your life now. You look yeah. at the 2024 schedule and you go, hey, this is uh, this is where I'm going to be on these days. Uh, what are your early takeaways? Well, obviously, starting in Korea means a, a spring training that starts earlier. Uh, they're going to go over 10 days early to go to Korea. Uh, they're going to come back, land with six days before opening day, 
<laughs> Evidently, there might be something going on at Petco Park, so they might play their two-game exhibition series against the Mariners at in Peoria, at the complex they share, versus at Petco Park. Then they open at Petco Park. What, Where I think they got paid back, and I have not found out whether this was on purpose, the Potters have far more regular off days. They do. They play one 18-game stretch, and it's late in the season. They don't go more than 13 games before that. They get like the first three Thursdays of the season besides opening day off. They get four of the five Thursdays in May off. Like if you recall recent seasons, it's been like 24 of 25, um, 18 games in 17 days. I mean, you know, when they packed it in last year, 21 in a row, like um, it's, it's been really crazy. And so I don't know. That's going to be exhausting at the start for them. Uh, They play a lot of marquee teams in that first month. I mean, wow, what an incredible uh, first month with the Phillies, Cardinals, Dodgers, uh, and uh, Giants, and the Blue Jays, I think, uh, are a marquee team. Uh, Maybe not a legacy team, but a a marquee team uh, at at home to start. Uh, It's a little bit of a janky schedule, but they are now. You're playing everybody in in the Major League Baseball. What has stood out to you? Yeah, to me it's that. To me, it's the Yankees visiting. Um, I, yeah. I don't look at I don't look at this necessarily uh, like a beat guy does. I look at it in terms of what's going to be a spectacle, and to me, that's Korea and that's the Yankees. Yeah, uh, and both of those things. Um, I try to look at it too that way because it's not about me, except sure. for when you're me, then it's about me, right? So yes, yeah. there every beat writer looks at it and goes, "Huh, okay," especially with post-pandemic airline schedules. Oh, that's a great point. I hadn't even <laughs> thought of that. I hadn't even thought of that. Uh, Kevin, you Darvish is back. I'm looking at the pitching matchups here. No. Somebody named Christopher Sanchez no. is pitching Friday. Um, it's Snell versus Taiwan Walker um, early Saturday. And then what TBA versus Ranger Suarez late Saturday. Uh, what do we anticipate Padres doing with that second? Is it a piggyback game? Do we think in the second At game? At this double point, letter? I think it is. You know, until that trade's announced. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, hey, this uh, this is very interesting. First game. Look, they're all interesting for the Padres now. Like I quote Jake Cronenworth tomorrow uh, in, in the story that will post later today if I finish it. Um, <laughs> that uh, if you finish it, because it's about three thousand inches. No, um, inches is a journalism term, by the way, folks. Um, so Jake Cronenworth says, "Got to play every game like it's a playoff game." My eyes got all big. He saw that's just where we're at because playing every game like a playoff game for 72 games is, whoo, that's a lot. So, hey, they somewhat did that last year. They were really stinky from the middle of June to the middle of September. They were three games under. It was almost three months exactly. They played three under during that time, and they had to finish strong. They got to do it a little longer this time and hope for a little help. But Darvish, so where's he at, right? After that flu game, losing the weight, you know, has he been eating a lot in the, in the break? Where's he at? This Christopher uh, Sanchez guy uh, in four starts since being recalled in June, two one four ERA. Ranger Suarez handled them in the playoffs. Uh, that's another thing. How what's cool about this series? Like, you know, when you're when you cover or you watch, you're a fan of the Yankees, the Red Sox, teams that uh, year after year have you know these epic playoff battles, right? Like they recall during the regular season, like what guys did against them in the playoffs, and that's how it becomes a thing. And like you can right. remember, oh man, Bryce Harper, whoa, and you know now he won't be facing Robert Suarez, but you know Ranger Suarez. Uh, mm-hmm. He, he did 
uh, really good, obviously, mm-hmm. against the Padres in, in the uh, uh, NLD, NLCS. Um, they face Zach Wheeler on Sunday. That's Lugo and Wheeler. Wheeler's having a little bit of a down year, but it's still Zach Wheeler. Uh, so I think this is a, you know, the Phillies, they're kind of a middling team in mm-hmm. terms of statistics, but they are incredibly hot. I don't know if you remember this. For a while, it was, oh, the Padres and the Phillies and the Cardinals, they're, they're, the, they're the teams and they're, we expect them to do better. And, oh, they'll get better. Well, the only one of those that really has is the Phillies, who are 23-9 and nine over their last 32 games. Okay, wow. so they're obviously hitting a lot better, pitching somewhat better during that time. Their bullpen's a little better than their starters. But, like, they have turned it around. So this is uh yeah this is a this is a good series to start with. Who needed the All Star break the most? The bullpen, okay. uh, the starters, and you know I think uh, Xander Bogarts who got that shot like six seconds after the final pitch, uh, cortisone shot in his left wrist. Um, I think Manny has been hurting in in a lot of ways that we don't know about, just like regular kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that. Uh, I think that almost everybody needed it, but yeah, to the spirit of your question, I think the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Kevin, we always go down some wormhole at the very end of our podcast here. Uh, this is a simple one. Double headers. Your thoughts. Okay. Again, taking myself out of it, knowing that I'll be at the ballpark from nine to 11 or so, and then come back and write the newsletter. Um, yeah, players don't like them, which is why there's not more of them. Teams are allowed to schedule one doubleheader a year. Okay. I uh, or or teams can play in one. So you couldn't like have your team schedule one and then you're you're also on the road for one. I don't believe. But when's the last time there was a scheduled one outside of the lockout year? Right, that's a great point. And then the pandemic point. year where you played 7 innings. But the Phillies, I haven't found anyone to tell me exactly why. There's people that think they know like was it going to be a wraparound and the Phillies would rather have weekend games see it's a day night so they get they're getting chart they're charging for two games so right. play the game clear the ballpark everybody rest find a nap room play the game uh that's that's no no skin off the Phillies back they got an afternoon game or night game mm-hmm. um I think they're kind of neat they get two games out in uh, in one day mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh a lot of times it means you got a day off because mm-hmm. it was a rain out or something but mm-hmm. uh, this one is scheduled. It's been there, and uh, it's a rough way to start uh, for the Padres in the uh, a quality opponent, four games in three days to start the second half. Absolutely. What, Absolutely. Uh, what do you think as a fan who, let's just say you were inclined to sit in front of your TV for uh, the better part of five hours over a 12-hour period? Uh, oh, I, I'm for it, but not all the time, man. Once a year is great. Once a year is great. As somebody – who is in the stands at Jack Murphy Stadium during a doubleheader when a Roseanne Barr sang the national anthem, Kevin. I've always been a big fan of doubleheaders. Uh, I've covered enough doubleheaders in my previous life to know that they suck to cover. Do you know what was awesome? Seven inning doubleheaders. Now, not for, yes, if I put aside to the back of my brain that this messes everything up in terms of baseball and uniformity and it's not cool and, you know, someone's going to, you know, a close game, who knows what would have happened in those final two and then the Madison Bumgarner no-hitter and whatever, right? Put that aside, boom, game over. Loved it. Right. Loved it. Seven innings, 
play game two immediately after game one. As a young reporter, I'm sure you did this. Come on. College softball doubleheader? Play that in like 47 minutes per game? It's great. It's great. It's great. It's, uh, yeah. No, you're right. As a fan, I like it. Uh, I wouldn't want to cover it. And that is why you were doing it. And uh, and that's great. Uh, That'll do it for this episode of the Hot Lava Podcast. Padres, Phillies, four game series starting 3.05 p.m. San Diego time on Friday. You've got a doubleheader at 10.05 and 4.05 on Saturday. And then Sunday they play at 10.35 in Philadelphia. For Kevin Acey, I'm Ryan Finley. We'll see you next time.